And please turn with me in your Bibles now to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. We are taking a break this morning from our usual pattern of working our way through a book of the Bible. Currently we're in the book of Acts. We're taking a break from that this morning to consider the role of our children in the life of the church, and we're doing that because we are blessed this morning to observe the sacrament of baptism, and so we get to turn to one of my favorite subjects this morning, in which we consider what place do our children have within the life of the church. Now, just a bit of a explanation for what we're going to read here in a moment. Our text this morning is 1 Corinthians 7. Uh, primarily verse 14, but I'm going to read the whole context for that verse, which is verses 12 through 16. We're going to focus on verse 14, but in the broader context, the Apostle Paul here is actually answering a question, and that question is what happens when two people are unequally yoked. Let's say two people got married as unbelievers, but then one comes to saving faith. Well, God's word is clear that we should not be unequally yoked. We should be married in the Lord. So what happens then in that relationship? And Paul's going to give a very clear answer here in the word of God. But it's in that context that he makes this really clear statement regarding the children of believers. He says, they are holy. And that'll be our focus this morning. They are holy. Boys and girls, I hope your ears will be especially attentive this morning to hear what the Word of God says about you and your relationship to God and your life within the church. Well, let's now give our careful attention to the Word of God. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning at verse 12. Let us attend to this because it is the Word of God. To the rest, I say, I not the Lord... That if any believer has a wife who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever, and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, But as it is, they are holy. But if any, but if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Amen. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Psalm 127 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Similarly, in Genesis chapter 33, Esau sees Jacob far off and he runs to meet him. And when Esau looks at Jacob, he sees that he is surrounded by many children. And so he asks, Who are these with you? And Jacob answers him saying, these are the children whom the Lord has graciously given me. Clearly then, our children are a gracious gift from God. 
Clearly, according to the word of God, each and every one of our children are a unique blessing from God. God has recently blessed many families within this congregation with the gift of children. And since God's word teaches us that each child is an intentional gift given by God, how are we to view them? As Christians, how are we to view our children? How are we to raise them? As those who have received these precious gifts given by God, how do we then glorify God with the gifts that he has given Now, as we begin, I want to point out that these questions are not only pertinent to the parents among us this morning. Instead, these questions are actually pertinent to each and every member of the church, each and every part of God's covenant community. How so? Well, first of all, boys and girls, these questions have great bearing upon you. These questions pertain to you and help you to understand, even now at this stage in your life, what is your relationship to the church? Do you belong here or are you sitting on the outside? Do you belong to the world or do you belong to God in his church? Boys and girls, these questions are very important to you, and I hope you will hear God's answer today. Then for the entire congregation, whether or not you have children, whether or not your children are still in your home or maybe they're grown and gone, you need to see that these questions also are not irrelevant to you this morning. Instead, each of these questions actually have significance for your day-to-day life as a Christian. How so? Well, God's word clearly teaches that in the church we are members one of another. We belong to each other. We have been placed into God's family. And so we need to know how it is that we relate to even the youngest among us. Are the children in our presence to be treated as outsiders until a later time? Or are they to be treated as members of the body? Do you have any real obligation to them, or are they to be viewed as outsiders until they make a profession of faith? So fundamentally, our question this morning is, are the children of this congregation a part of the world, or are they a part of the church? Let's go to God's word to hear his answer this morning. Let's begin this morning by considering the rationale. Anytime we pause from our regular way of walking through an entire book of the Bible, and we go to consider a a new text or a fairly isolated text in terms of our context, we need to be careful to understand that text in its context. So desiring or aiming to be careful about our study of God's word, we need to understand Paul's rationale when he makes this statement to us saying, our children are holy. We need to see the context in which he makes that statement. So if your Bible is still open there in front of you, you might turn back and look at verse 1. Notice how this chapter begins. Paul says, now concerning the matters about which you wrote. That's how Paul begins chapter 7. What is he getting at? Well, he is telling us that in this chapter, he is responding to questions that arose within the Corinthian church. 
these words indicate to us that the Corinthians had a number of questions on their minds, and they asked the Apostle Paul to answer these questions that they had. And so as we come to verses 12 through 16 this morning, we need to understand the question that Paul is here answering. Well, you heard me read the text already. And as you can see, the question has to do with whether a believer who is married to an unbeliever should stay in that marriage. Again, most likely this had to do with two unbelievers who were married, and then one of them comes to true saving faith in Jesus Christ. And suddenly, this person finds themselves in this place where they are unequally yoked. And they know that God's word says that a believer should be, should, or believers should marry in the Lord, that they should not be unequally yoked. And so the question is natural. What am I to do? I've come to true saving faith. My spouse has not. Are we to divorce because we are unequally yoked? Well, let's look at Paul's answer. It is simple and straightforward. There in verses 12 and 13, he gets both sides, both possibilities before us. He says, if a brother is married to an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, then he should not divorce her. And the converse is true. Similarly, if a sister is married to an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, then she should not divorce him. Even though it is God's desire that believers marry in the Lord, When these sorts of situations arise, God's word is clear. They should not divorce. Why? Well, Paul gives three reasons. We'll look at them very briefly. The first is found in verse 14. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Instead of the unbelieving spouse contaminating, we might say, contaminating the marriage or the home in some sense, the believing spouse instead blesses the unbelieving spouse. In a certain sense, the unbelieving spouse is made holy because of their union together. That's the first reason. The second reason is found in verse 15. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. Here it is. God has called you to peace. The second reason is that God calls his people, so far as it depends upon them, to be peaceable. That's what Romans 12, 8 says. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And so if the unbelieving spouse is willing to stay in that marriage, then God's call to the believer is Stay in the marriage. Do not divorce. Remain married. And that leads us to the third reason, which is found in verse 16. For how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Now, you have to pay attention to the sense in which Paul is using his words there. No spouse actually saves another. But instead, what God is saying here is that he may use the believing spouse as the instrument through which... He brings the unbelieving spouse to a true saving faith. Now, it is within this context, then, that Paul says, verse 14, Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. Now, I hope you can slow down and hear and understand Paul's logic. 
Because when he says they are holy, he is arguing from what is in his mind and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, an established fact. They are holy. He is saying that established fact is what he builds his earlier assertion upon, that the unbelieving spouse is also holy. In Paul's mind, and again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it is unquestionable that the, that the children of believers are holy. He says that question's not even on the table. It is an established fact. And I'm going to build upon that fact to say that the spouse, the unbelieving spouse of a believer is also holy. And so right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, we get a very clear statement of God's view regarding the children of believers, and it is they are holy. In the Apostle Paul's mind, And under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is an indisputable fact. The children of believers are holy. That leads us to an important question. What does that mean, right? What does that mean? What are the implications of this fact? Well, let's go on second to consider the reality. The reality. One of the most important questions you can ask and answer whenever you're studying the Word of God is in what sense? In what sense? For example, throughout the Word of God, you will read about the law of God. And whenever you come across those words, the law of God, that phrase, you need to ask and answer the question, in what sense are those words being used? Because in differing contexts, the Word of God will use that phrase, the law of God, in differing ways. Sometimes it's used in reference to the moral law. Sometimes it's used in relationship to the Mosaic Covenant. At other times, it's used to describe the whole of Scripture. And so as you're reading the Word of God, you need to ask and answer the question about the words being used in what sense. In what sense are those words being used? Well, here we've come to a phrase that is an indisputable fact. The children of believers, they are holy. And so we have to ask and answer that question, in what sense? In what sense are they holy? And that's why we spent some time considering the context, because Paul uses that word holy here in the context. So what does the word of God mean when it declares to us that our children are holy? Well, we need to begin by first saying what it does not mean. Clearly, Paul does not mean that the children of believers are saved. Right here in this very context, Paul says that, hear the language, the unbelieving spouse, unbelieving spouse, is, by virtue of their relationship to the believing spouse, they are holy. What Paul says there is that they are both unbelieving and, in a certain sense, holy. And so he cannot mean here, when he speaks of our children, that they are holy. He cannot mean that they automatically are believers. He's not using that word holy here in a salvific sense. And so that is clear. He is not saying that our children are automatically saved. So then what does this word mean? Well, here Paul is teaching us that the children of believers, they are both set apart 
and under the blessing of God. They are both set apart unto God and under his blessing. In Matthew chapter 23, Jesus speaks about the vessels in the temple, and he uses this same word. He says they are holy. He says they are set apart and they are sanctified. These are ordinary utensils that would be found in someone's home. And he's saying the ones that are now put into the temple, that are used in the temple, they have been set apart from all of the other utensils in the world, and they have been set apart unto God for a special use. Those utensils were not at one time serving a special use in the temple of God and then taken back out into the world and used in a common use in the world. Well, in a similar sense, this is what the Word of God is saying about the children of believers. It is in this sense that they are holy. They do not belong to this world. Instead, they belong to God. And not only have they been set apart from the world, they have been set apart unto God and come under His blessing. Throughout the Scriptures, you will read the Word of God and you will see a principle You will see this principle that God's blessing ordinarily comes into this world by way of his people. He uses his people as an instrument to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to others. God blesses by way of his people. This is illustrated really well in Genesis chapter 18. In Genesis chapter 18, God is about to destroy Sodom, that sinful city. And what happens? Well, you remember the story. In that story, Abraham comes and he pleads with God to spare Sodom. Why? For the sake of the believers found within her midst. And so he says, God, will you spare the city if 50 of yours are found in that sinful city? And God agrees. And Abraham keeps pleading, well, how about 45? And God agrees. How about 40? And God agrees. 20, God agrees. 15, God agrees. All the way down to 10. God, if there's only 10, will you spare the entire city of Sodom? And God agrees. Why did God spare Sodom? It was for the sake of those believers within her midst. God's blessing fell upon Sodom because of his people who were there. It is ordinarily through God's people that his blessing flows to those who are around them. That is what the Apostle Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says it's true of the unbelieving spouse and it's also true of your children. So what does this look like for our children? Well, consider the blessings that God has always given to his people by way of his covenant community, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writes to Gentiles. And he writes reminding them of the great blessings that are now theirs, that they have come to know Christ in the gospel. He says there, remember you were once separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. There the apostle Paul says to the Gentiles, don't forget that now in coming to Christ, the way that God has always worked, the way that God has always worked through his covenant people and by way of families, this is now your heritage. 
as Gentiles. This now belongs to you as well. And so these Gentiles who have now come into the covenant community of God, they are no longer strangers to the covenants of promise. They are no longer alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. They're not separated from Christ. They have hope. They have God. And God's ordinary way of working with his covenant people, it is now theirs. And so there are implications for the children of these Gentile believers in the covenant community. Paul is telling them, your children have now come under the same blessings that God's people have always enjoyed throughout his workings with them. In other words, because of the faith of their parents, our children are privileged, are blessed to grow up within the covenant community of God, and they have a beautiful heritage. Think about it. This is why our children have Jesus set before them daily in our homes and weekly in worship. This is why they have the promises of Christ extended to them throughout our worship, in the preaching of God's word, in the sacrament of baptism, and in the Lord's Supper. This is why they are so blessed to grow up here. Brothers and sisters, this reality, this is the reality that God's word reveals about our children. This is how when we look upon our children, whenever we interact with them, I hope that after this sermon this morning, the first words that come to your mind are, they are holy. You look upon your child and you say, he is holy. He is set apart unto God. He has come under God's blessing. He does not belong to this world. He belongs to God and he is a part of the church. This is how each and every single one of us need to look upon the covenant children within our midst. They are blessed to know the word of God. They are blessed to worship each week. They are blessed to be surrounded with the prayers of God's people because they are holy. Boys and girls, this is why God's word can speak directly to you. Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. God's word itself addresses you as those who belong to God in his covenant community. God doesn't address you as outsiders. God addresses you as those who belong within the church, as those who belong to him. And so we all need to consider this morning whether or not our thinking has come in line with God's word? Are we viewing our children through the lens of God's word? Do we look upon them and say, they are holy? What are some implications of this? We'll get to some more here in a moment, but parents, think about these questions or this question. What does this mean for you day to day regarding the raising of your children? God's word says they are holy. And that has daily implications upon your life with your kids. Boys and girls, what does this mean for you? Here, God's word is saying to you clearly, you are holy. Because your parents 
believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been set apart. And you have come under the blessing of God. I think a helpful illustration is that of, uh, is, is that of Esau. What did Esau do with his birthright? He despised it. He thought little of it. And he sold it for a cup of soup. Boys and girls, do you hear what God's word is saying about you now? Do you understand and appreciate the blessing that he has given to you? And for the whole congregation, what about all of the children within our midst? This morning, we are going to have the opportunity to make a promise in relationship to the two parents this morning and their child, their holy child. We are going to make a promise to them. Are we faithful in that promise to pray for this family and to encourage them as they raise their child in the fear and admonition of the Lord? How does this reality need to reorient our hearts to the youngest among us? Well, let's go on finally to consider this morning the response. The response. This morning you're going to hear the first vow that we affirm when we present our children for baptism, and it asks this, do you believe this child is a possession of God entrusted to your care? That question sets before us the twofold reality regarding the way in which we raise our children. These are the two sides of the same coin. On the one hand, this question clearly reflects the word of God by saying This child is a possession of God's. They belong to him. He or she belongs to God. The second side of that same coin is they've been entrusted to your care. They have been entrusted to you, which means this child's primary relationship is with God. Their primary relationship is not actually with their parents. Sometimes we tend to think in those terms, these are my children, how should I raise them? What is my will for them? Those are unbiblical questions in the right sense. Because the right question is, these these children belong to God, what is his will for their life? How am I to raise them day to day in light of the fact that they don't belong to me, they belong gloriously to him. They belong to him. And so it really is irrelevant what my will is for their lives. I need to ask and answer the question, what is God's will for their lives? Why? Because they are holy according to the Lord. They belong to him. Well, in a broad sense, that is our response to what God's word says. They are holy. They belong to him. We parent as stewards entrusted with a tremendous gift. But we can get more specific. So let's get more concrete and consider three related ways to how we are to respond. First of all, we need to believe what the word of God says regarding our children. We need to believe what God's word says when it says they are holy. When you look upon your children, does the word of God inform your thinking? Do you remember that they belong to the Lord and that they have been set apart from this world and that the covenant blessings belong to them? 
Do you interact with your children not in terms of my will be done, but the Lord's, thy will be done? Do you seek to train them up according to how God would? When you make decisions about the kinds of influences that you're going to bring into your children's lives, or the kinds of activities that you're going to allow them to engage in, do you think, what is God's will regarding his children instead of what may be convenient or expedient for yourself? Do you also encourage your children in regards to their primary relationship? Do you understand that you parent as a steward? Their primary relationship is with God himself, and your job is to foster that relationship. You are to help them understand God's orientation to them, the promises offered to them in the gospel, so that they will call upon God as their God. We need our minds to be renewed by the word of God. We live in a world that tells us that our children are not holy. That doesn't teach us to value our children to the degree that God's word does. And so we need the word of God to renew our minds so that when we look upon our children, the first thing that comes to mind is they are holy. C.S. Lewis once said that next to the sacraments, the holiest object presented to to your senses is your neighbor. What sense did he mean? Well, he was talking about in the sense that the person you may be interacting with has potential to be a glorified being for the rest of eternity. He was meaning in the sense that that person you're interacting with is made in the image of God. And so in a very real sense, we ought to interact with anybody understanding the glory of that God has made with man as they reflect his image. But very specifically here, in light of our text, we might say the same thing about our children. They are holy. They are holy. They belong to God. And so we need to believe what the word of God says about them. Second, believing that they are holy, we ought to present our children for baptism. Why? Well, because baptism is the way that God places his name upon us. Baptism is the way that God marks his people out as belonging to him and separated from this world. In the Old Covenant, God gave his people a specific sign to separate them from this world. In the Old Covenant, it was circumcision. And God gave circumcision to Abraham after he believed, but then told him to apply that sign to his sons before they believed. This was a sign for the believer and their children. And then in the new covenant, according to Colossians chapter 2, baptism has been given as that sign that replaces circumcision. It marks God's people out of this world as belonging to him. In Colossians 2, it speaks of new covenant believers having been circumcised. And the question there is like, well, in what sense? And Paul's answer is, through baptism. He says it is through baptism that your children, that you and your children have received that same sign of the old covenant of circumcision. 
And so both in the Old and the New Covenant, God has given a sign to his people that marks believers and their children out as belonging to him. And so we are to present our children for baptism because they are holy and they need to receive that sign publicly in which God's name is placed upon them and they are shown publicly to belong to God and to come under his blessing. Well, third, believing that our children are holy and having them baptized, we must be diligent. See, baptism is not a finish line. Baptism is a starting line. And that is why we affirm, we make promises to certain things before we have our children baptized. And these are things commanded by the word of God. But we promise to do these things precisely because our children are holy, precisely because they belong to God. Now, I'm going to read what those vows are. And many of you parents have taken these vows in relationship to your children. And we as a church have also promised to pray for and to encourage the parents among us in these things. And so we have an opportunity now to reflect upon our promises. Let's think about each of these things, and two of you are going to make those promises this morning. This is an opportunity to consider carefully the promises that you are making. Listen to these vows. Do you promise to provide for her temporal well-being, to teach her to love God and his word, the Bible, and to provide her with a God-centered education? Do you promise to teach her of her sinful nature, of the plan of salvation which centers in Jesus Christ and her own personal need of a relationship with Christ. To the end that she may grow in the Christian life, do you promise to pray for her and to train her to read the Bible, to pray, to keep the Lord's Day and to understand the nature of the church, the value of its worship and fellowship and her need to seek communicant membership in the church? And then do you promise to lead her by your example and parental discipline exercised in love to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in all the relationships of life. We need to be diligent. We need to be diligent to raise our children in the way that God's word calls us to and in the ways that we have promised to. The reason why we make these promises is because God's word says of our children, they are holy. We can make these promises because our children do not belong to this world. But because they belong to God and they belong to his church. And then recognizing the comprehensive nature of those promises. That is a lot to promise. We have a final vow that affirms that we seek these things only in humble reliance upon God's grace. Do you make these promises In the presence of God, in humble reliance upon his grace as you desire to give your account with joy at the last great day. Isn't it wonderful to see what God's word says about our children? Isn't it great that God does not leave it up to ourselves to answer the question, where where do my children fit into all of this? And isn't it remarkable that God gives us children who belong to him 
and have the promises of the gospel near to them while we raise them. In the normal course of our study in our morning worship, we've been in Acts chapter 10 recently, and there uh, the apostle Peter is given this vision of this sheet being dropped down from heaven, and in it there's all sorts of animals, and uh, he is told, rise, Peter, kill and eat, and he says, no way, Lord. It's shocking that he tells the Lord no. He says, no, Lord, because nothing unclean has ever entered my mouth. And then God says to him, what God has made clean do not call common. We need to lay that truth to our hearts in regards to our children. God says they are holy. And our hearts should be filled with utmost joy. That not only are we given the gift of children, but holy children who are set apart from this world and who have come under the blessing of God. And we have been privileged to raise them, to call upon God as their God, to teach them the word of God, to bring them to worship, to point them to Christ in the hopeful expectation that they will believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Boys and girls, do you believe the word of God? Do you believe what God's word says to you today that you are holy? You don't belong to this world. It lays no claim upon you. You belong to God. And you can call upon him right now as your God. In Matthew chapter 19, parents come with their children to Jesus and his disciples rebuke them and send them away. Jesus, seeing this, stops his disciples and he rebukes them, saying, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. I don't know anybody who does not love that story, any believer who does not love that story. But we need to ask the question, why that story? Why is that recorded for us in Scripture? John also says in his gospel that should all of the works of Jesus be recorded, they could not be contained in all of the books in the whole world, which means the Holy Spirit selected what needed to be recorded, what was set down for us in Scripture, which means the Holy Spirit carefully selected that beautiful story in which Jesus welcomes the children himself. Why did the Holy Spirit record that for us? Is it so that we might have a sweet, sentimental moment and say, oh, isn't that cute? Or is it because it is truly significant? Is it because we are to help our children to see this is Christ's attitude toward each of you? He wants nothing to hinder you from coming to him. Especially children, especially his, or I'm sorry, especially his disciples. Instead, he wants his disciples to know that his orientation to you is let them come. Do not in the slightest way hinder them from coming to me because to them belongs the kingdom of heaven. 
Boys and girls, my hope and prayer for you all this week and this morning has been that you will grow this morning to see God's love for you. That you will be able to put aside the lies of this world which try to lay claim to you. And that you will, hearing God's word, believe that Christ wants you to come to him That he is eager to receive you and to save you. And that all you need to do is to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Parents, let us remember the word of God. Let us remember what God's word so clearly says of our children. They are holy. And as we look upon, as we raise, as we labor on behalf of and interact with our children, let us always do so saying they are holy. They are his. And I, I parent as a steward of holy children who belong to God. And congregation, let us remember the promises we have made toward one another. Let us pray for and encourage each other the parents as they raise their children, and these children, the littlest among us, as brothers and sisters who do not belong to this world, but instead they belong to God in his church. May we be diligent to seek God's blessing upon our children that in due time they will lay a hold of Christ by faith and then profess that faith before us. Let us pray together. Our gracious God in heaven, we thank you for your word. And Lord God, we thank you that we are not left to ourselves to try to discern the place that our children have in relationship to you and to your church. We thank you that your word says unquestionably they are holy. We thank you for your word which sets before us your ordinary way of working through families. We thank you that you give us that sign of the covenant that marks us out from this world as believers and that you give it to our children because they are holy. Lord, we pray that you would guard and keep us, parents, children, any, any of us, from being put off of the discipline or the earnestness that we should have in raising our children just because they are baptized lord keep may that may you keep us from assuming the rest but rather to do what you have called us to do to be disciplined in raising our children to be diligent to bring them to worship to bring them before the word of god daily to always have the gospel before them And Lord, we also pray for our children. You have said they are holy. And you have indeed blessed them to have worship each week, to be born into believing homes, to have your word near to them. Lord God, will you please guard and keep them? Will you keep them from the lies of this world which try to lay claim upon them? May they, when they think of themselves, say, 
We are holy, set apart unto God and under his blessing. And Lord, will you, by your spirit, be gracious to use the means that you have appointed to call our children to true saving faith. Lord, we thank you that our children are holy. And we thank you that we have that picture set before us of the promise of the gospel this morning. That the Lord Jesus Christ, through his Life, death, and resurrection is the one who can provide us with forgiveness of sins and righteousness to stand at peace with you. And as we all see that picture again this morning, we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would cause us to believe and to live in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn together in our psalm book.